Yo, so um, you ever go outside and it's raining and you don't yes. got an umbrella? Yes. And you have somewhere to go? What do you do? Walk to my car. You walk, walk to your car. Walk, yeah. You step out, don't yes. you? Like when you were in the house, what was it? Well, it should be dry unless your roof's terrible. Yeah, yeah, it was dry. But yes. now you got to go to your car yeah. and it's wet. Yeah. It's not comfortable. Well, I like water, so... I mean, if it's cold, then it's cold and raining. Can you stop being weird for a little while? I just need context. Okay. Context. Basically, if you're in your house and it's not raining, now you got to step out the house. You're basically stepping out of your your comfort zone. Oh. Dude, comfort zone. That's what we're talking about. Stepping out your doggone comfort to the doggone zone. This is funny how life works, where we use funny to teach you how life works. That's what we do. And now today, we're going to be talking about stepping out of your comfort zone, which is what I did when I was like, you know what? Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring Nick on as a co-host. I'm bringing in tech guy Nick as a co-host. I'm going to step out my comfort zone because I like being around normal people. But you know what? It don't got to be that way. So with that being said, we're going to get ready to push this doggone button. Who's ready? Okay. I love this podcast. You'll be laughing out loud and all of a sudden, boom, something that can really help you drops in your lap. I like it because I unexpectedly learn about life. It is so funny. I get to laugh and learn about life at the same time. I like listening to Funny How Life Works with the car of my parents. <laughs> with the car in my parents. <laughs> so, yes. When you talk about when I say the word comfort zone, mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yes. Tech guy Nick. Yes. What do you think about things that you're more comfortable with, and that you're? It's like your your normal. Your, your default mode. What is a comfort zone in your life? What do you mean? I, I'm sorry. I, like, not, not to, I apparently, genuinely want to need context. not this line of questions. Huh. Well, you're, it's a very vague question. Oh, my gosh. Like, what is your comfort zone? Okay, at the house, so I kind of like it in, like, you know, the lower 70s, upper 60s. That's a fun temperature for me. Like, if I have to throw a hoodie on, I like that because I like my hoodies. Those are fun. Like, or I also like being I'm outside a, the lake. I'm a hoodie guy. I'm a hoodie guy, too. Coffee. I'm a hoodie guy as well. Yeah. So, uh, I used to do some things because once I figured out that comfort is like a drug, mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want no drugs. So, yeah. I would do things to purposely be uncomfortable. Yeah. Like, really. So, yeah. I talk about it in my book. Yeah. Funny How Life Works. Book.com. I mentioned this, but um, I didn't know. I mean, I didn't know the, about breaking comfort zones before, but when I was on the road, there was a time when I, was, when I wasn't around my kids, and, um, you know, I would do a, an event and my kids weren't in the anyway it was yeah they they weren't doing yeah. um i didn't want to eat better than my kids were when i was on the road so i would go yeah. on the road and they had me at this hotel that was really nice and super plush yeah and they would give me all this great food <clears throat> but i wouldn't eat any of the food because i didn't i wasn't sure like i just want to make sure my kids were doing better than me so i would do yeah. stuff on the road man this is when i first start doing mm-hmm. comedy and the kids weren't living with me at the time mm-hmm. and i had to uh I would sleep on the floor of my hotel room. Yeah. My kids don't know this, but I would sleep on the floor of my hotel room just because I'm like, yo, how comfortable are my kids' beds right now? I would do that just to be, and even now, well, not super recently, but one time I went to the mall. This is going to sound crazy. I went to the mall and I laid on my back in the middle of the floor at the mall. Mm-hmm. You know how weird that is? That is super weird. Yeah. I had no friends around. I wasn't doing it for no fun or laughter. I just wanted, like, that's super uncomfortable. Yeah. But when you do stuff that is uncomfortable, it makes the other stuff that you that you really should do that seems uncomfortable a lot less uncomfortable. Yeah. So I'm running after comfort zone stuff. I mean, I'm trying to because that's where the growth is in a big way. Yeah. So when you was a kid, it was probably uncomfortable just in general. Yes. I mean, you were growing a yes. grip. 
Yeah, like my knee would be pulled out of place when I grow because like my bones grow faster than my muscles and my tendons when I was growing up. So like literally like Ugh. it just it would pull itself out of place. Oh, that is whack. Yeah, it really hurt. That is like when people talk about growing pains, I'm like, yes, I'm not talking about the show with Kirk Cameron. I'm talking about the physical pain. It, it really it's, it exists. It's a real thing. I'm so sorry to hear that, buddy. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear about that show, too. It was <laughs> I was talking about your growing pains. Man. Well, that too. Hey, we should call Kirk Cameron. Oh, man. Do I have Kirk's number? Do you have Kirk? I don't know. Maybe man. Ray Comfort. Are they still doing that duo thing that they did? Let me see if I got Kirk Cameron's phone number. They used to do the Way of the Master together. I don't know who. The, who, who? Kirk Cameron and who? Ray Comfort. Ray Comfort. Does he make mattresses? Uh, no. I don't Is think he? so. No, they used to, they were, like, when I was going to CFNI, the way of the master is really big. I didn't like that as a witnessing tool. Somebody's at the door. Sounds like it might be Grubhub. <laughs> maybe it's a door dasher. Or maybe it's door dash. Make yeah. sure they're not chewing when they answer. That stuff is always weird. If they got, if they have, like, something on their face. Hey, you know what? When you yeah. open the door, you should just let them in. Just be like, hey, come on in. And then be like, hey, c- can you watch us eat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you watch this? <laughs> I, I will give you another five dollars if Dude, you watch Dude, we should bring the DoorDasher in. Like for real. Let's see if we can get the DoorDasher to be part of our podcast. This would be so cool. <laughs> We're we just impromptu. No, yeah, but this is like an well, impromptu is, DoorDasher. Yeah, well, this is stepping out of their comfort zone. All okay, they want to do is grab food and leave it. I'm going to go record this on my phone and see if we can get them. So, yeah, he didn't speak English. I don't even know what he was saying. He was like, oh, no, no, no. And then he pointed at his knee. Uh-huh. And he had, a, he had a brace around his knee. So I think coming in here would have took him out of his comfort zone. More than likely. Yeah, he's just going to, I mean, think about what that looks like, dude. You just brought some food to somebody and now. Please come into my house. We now, have a studio set up. Uh, yeah, um. now some pregnant, a pregnant lady answers. Yep. A black dude is in the back, which makes sense. But then yeah. as soon as they come back and they see you sitting there. Like a king or something right there, which is, yeah, they're going to be like... This looks nothing like a throne. Okay, I don't look anything king It looks a little throny. I am wearing a trucker hat, a bearded, and beardy, and just a t-shirt. A trucker hat. Yes, trucker hat. Exactly, that's my point. That's why he didn't come in here, because he saw you with your doggone trucker hat on. Okay, there was one time where I did do some Uber and Lyft and stuff, and I I was doing Uber Eats, and then, like, when I went to drop off the food and stuff, like... I heard dueling banjos in the backward. I like dropped the food and I sprinted. I was like text them like your food's by the door. I don't feel <laughs> that I is like, the international black people run sign. Like, you I ran too. Like, That's great. I was like, nope. I heard that. I was like, nope. Yeah, nope. Dude. Nope. As soon as I hear that, I got to leave. Like, paddle faster. If you hear banjos, paddle faster. That's... It's okay. I'll explain it. I'll explain it off air. If you hear banjos, you know. Paddle uh, faster. What do you and all your friends do when you hear, yeehaw? What's the next thing? Uh, run. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what we do. We run. Yeehaw and banjos go together, bro. We know mm. what that was. We've seen, we seen the movie. If you're anywhere outside of Fort Worth, yeah, like at a rodeo, in the run. Yeah. I went to the rodeo recently. I didn't go to the rodeo. Mm-hmm. I went to Fort Worth when the rodeo was happening. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I have never seen... Like this dude had a hat on. Yeah. Like it was a doggone a huge. The hat was huge, dude. You couldn't yeah. even get like four feet around him. Like his hat was big. Like if you can wear a big hat like that, mm-hmm. you gotta be over six four. Yeah. Well, I mean, the fact is that he was trying just to social distance. I imagine that probably what it was. He he was like he was like five five with a hat that big. Oh jeez. Which means nobody can get on the elevator with you, dude. Yeah. You gotta be taller to wear a hat like that. I'm just saying. 
I was out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I'm crafty like that. Yeah, it was pretty crafty, Nick. I gotta be rude. That was crafty. Speaking of comfort zones, yes. Michael talks about this this threshold. Oh, how to deal with oh, fear. Yeah. We actually have a teaching about that in, in the course, Funny How Life Works. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually, you showed it, like, was, <laughs> anytime you've shown that with your company, like, somebody quits. <laughs> <laughs> it is true. Like, I have this teaching I do called Threshold of Fear, yeah. and it's all about how to push through fear so you can go to the next level. And I did this one time. At the time, I only had three employees. And uh, I did this th- this teaching, Threshold of Fear. And it's a visual teaching where you got to kind of see the thing. Is that up somewhere where people can see it? Yeah. Do we, is it available uh, th- that it kind of leads to the course and helps people understand that part. I don't even know. Yeah. Anyway, she's looking for that. But basically, it ta- it teaches you uh, tactically how to push through fear, right? And it, we use some funny, and it's all cool, right? Mm-hmm. So I did this with my three employees at the time, mm-hmm. three of them, and all of them was silent. And I just felt like I should do it, do, do this teaching. Mm-hmm. All of them was silent. They didn't say anything. I was like, well, I don't know if that went well or not. Mm-hmm. And then the next day, within forty eight hours, one of the dudes told me that he was going to be leaving the company to start his own business. Oh, no, he said he was going to be leaving the company to take another job or something. Mm -hmm. I was like, what? The other dude Mm -hmm. told me that he was doing something at the company that wasn't, he he was doing some stuff that wasn't beneficial to the company. Mm -hmm. Whoa. Third dude emails me and tells me he has a, a prescription drug problem. Oh, All three of them, dude. Mm-hmm. I'm like, snap. I shouldn't have did that teaching. Everybody gone. Mm-hmm. But but I'm glad I did because all of them were able to be honest and come clear. And we're still great friends, right? Like, I'm, yeah. I'm cool with all my employees. If you didn't know that, you can check the last episode. Like, we're yeah. still cool. Episode 17 where we call it, the exes. Yes. And one of the employees admitted, admit, came um, another one later on, admitted to the fact that um that he was creepy. And I appreciate that, Nick. It was obvious anyway, but the fact that you know it, it was so much more important. <laughs> For those of you playing at home, there's no visual. Insert blank stare here. <laughs> Nick is awesome. You know I appreciate you. Even, yeah. though little, oh. even though, I mean, we wouldn't work as well together if yeah. it wasn't for how, you know, opposites attract, right? And it's I like love magnets. God, and I'm sensitive to him, and tall, and good looking and stuff. And then, you know. But they can get the teaching at yes. <laughs> Thank you, Akila. Slash opportunity. Uh-huh. Oh, for real? Yeah. Is that all set up to, to, does it lead to the? It does lead to the Funny How Life Works course. Oh, snap. Go to, say it again. MichaelJr.com slash opportunity. Ooh, MichaelJr.com slash opportunity. And you opportunity. Can get the, and it's free, right? They can get the course. I mean, they can, they, they can do that whole. They can do the teaching for free. They can see the teaching, for, teaching free. for free. So to help you push through fear and boom, yep. out of your comfort zone. The reason we talk about comfort zone because there's a chapter to my book. That we're going to listen to mm-hmm. that kind of kind of practices and utilizes this to some degree. Yeah. So, with that being said, I think we should listen to the chapter. What chapter is it? Chapter fourteen. Chapter fourteen. Now, listen. If you want to get the whole book, there's twenty five chapters and a bonus chapter in this book. We're just teasing you with a little bit of this one and putting some stuff on the side. So, hopefully, we will be using funny to help you understand even better how life works. Mm. With that being said, let's turn the page and welcome to the stage, the voice of the Michael Jr. reading from Funny How Life Works, which currently is an Amazon bestseller. Chapter 14, for $20 books for $16,000. 
There are times in life where everybody has to step out of their comfort zone. Professionals, stay-at-home moms, high school students, business owners, retail workers, and comedians. It's not easy to do. But what I've discovered is that some of the greatest things in life happen outside of the comfort zone. A good example of this is the $20 children's books that sold for $16,000. I was doing an event in Toronto. This wasn't a regular comedy show. It was a fundraising gala where all proceeds were going to a local homeless shelter that was doing incredible things in the community. When I got the invitation to do my comedy act as part of this event, I couldn't resist. I may be more comfortable in the ghetto than at a gala, but it was such an important cause, I jumped at the chance to be a part of that night. I was scheduled to be the closing act of the night. Before I went on, while I was prepping in the green room, the organizers did their fundraiser thing. I had no idea if it was a success or not. But all in all, it seemed like the night was going well. When they called my name, I stepped out onto the stage of this huge concert hall. The men were all in tuxedos. The ladies were wearing these beautiful ball gowns. It was a pretty impressive sight. I did my act that night to a standing ovation. It was a huge hit. Comedy is really about timing, including the timing of when to get off stage. So after getting a thunderous standing ovation from these 2,000 people, I exited stage left. Great night, wonderful people, funny set, and now let's go home. There was only one problem. I felt like there was something I needed to go back on stage and do. I needed to start a different kind of fundraising campaign. I sometimes think that when you have that feeling that you should do something to help someone, that you should do it in the first 10 seconds, or you may think yourself out of doing it. I struggled with the idea of going back out on stage after such a powerful ending. This was fully outside of my comfort zone. I didn't even know how much money had already been raised. I didn't know how to be an auctioneer. I had no idea exactly what to say. I'm thinking these people are ready to leave. These tuxes probably need to be returned soon. They have babysitters who probably have school in the morning. Now because of me, instead of being accepted to Yale, it's junior college for her. I can't do this to Amy. That's right, I'm having all of these thoughts about three seconds after having the initial thought of doing something nice for this fundraiser. All my regular instincts said to let go, but I just had this feeling that my night wasn't over. So not knowing how it would be received, I walked back onto the stage just as the MC for the evening was about to dismiss the crowd. Surprised, she said, oh, Michael Jr.'s back. Everybody give it up. I took the microphone, acknowledged the crowd, took a deep breath, and said, hey, everybody, I don't know exactly what's going on or why I should do this, but I feel like I should auction off one of my children's books for this amazing cause. Yeah, that's what I feel like I should do. I started a bidding at $100. It quickly rose higher, 200 500, 1,000, 1,200. Between each new bid, I was cracking jokes and having a good time with the audience. The laughter was contagious and the new bids were rolling in. 1,500, 1,800, 2,000. I was so excited when we reached our top bid, $4,000. The place went crazy. I felt so relieved that we raised more money and that the crowd had a great experience. But if I'm being honest, I was equally glad that I didn't crash and burn. The risk had paid off. Now I can go home. Except as I reached to put the mic back on the mic stand, I had that feeling again, that same prompting. 
I wasn't able to escape back into my comfort zone. I felt led to keep going. After standing there for a few seconds, it felt like a lifetime, I raised the microphone to my mouth again and said, you're not going to believe this, but I have a question for you. Who else wants to give $4,000 for my children's book? Keep in mind, these books were $20 in the lobby. I even told the crowd that. What I actually said was, who else wants to give $4,000 for a $20 children's book, which is both crazy and funny in retrospect. The crowd was totally into it. A lady in the top right balcony stood up at the exact same time as a guy in the back lower level of the room who had dropped out of the bidding of the initial book at $3,000. They both said in unison, I'll buy a children's book for $4,000. The audience erupted in laughter and cheers. And just like that, we had auctioned off three children's books for a total of $12,000. I was blown away. What a night. The crowd gave me another standing ovation, which was pretty cool because that really wasn't the point. I think the crowd was just appreciative that I'd stepped out of my comfort zone and helped raise more money for the homeless shelter. I started to jog off the stage feeling like the night had been a huge success. And then it happened again. I had that same feeling. Go back out there. At this point, I'm thinking, this is ridiculous. I'm a professional comedian. I know what happens when someone stays on stage too long, and that was definitely the risk I was taking. Going back out there one more time wasn't just leaving my comfort zone, it was obliterating it, but I went out anyway. I walked back out on stage with my shoulders slumped and the crowd erupted in applause. They knew the night wasn't over, and to my surprise, they were fully into it. I took the microphone from the MC and told him again what was on my heart and an elderly man in the fourth row quietly stood up. His presence seemed to capture everyone's attention. Young man, he said to me, I would like to buy one of those $20 children's books for $4,000. The crowd again erupted in applause, but this time it felt different. It felt like they weren't applauding me or even for the $16,000 we had just raised. It felt like we were all applauding each other because together we did something that made no sense to any of us on paper, but made full sense to us in all of our hearts. In just a matter of minutes, we had raised $16,000 for four copies of a $20 children's book. I found out later from the event organizer that their goal for the evening had been $50,000. Before I went back out on stage, they had raised $35,000, still a lot of money, but far short of their goal. I didn't know any of that at the time. I was just being obedient to what I felt like God had prompted me to do. With the additional $16,000 we raised, they finished the night with a total of $51,000 raised to help shelter the homeless. Had I stayed in my comfort zone, I would have given the people what they wanted from my act, laughs. But what we want and what we need are two different things. They wanted to be entertained but we needed to be a part of something special, and that's exactly what happened. Yo, so the off-the-cuff moment I wanna go off-the-cuff on is understanding how to step out of your comfort zone. It is extremely important that you, first of all, recognize that you have a comfort zone, because we all do. Even if you try to say you're not comfortable in that place right now, even if you don't like where you are, the fact that you're staying there, the fact that you spend a large percentage of your time in that place means it is a comfort zone from for you. Some people smoke cigarettes and they know they shouldn't, but the reason they're doing it is because it's comfortable. So what you want to do 
is allow yourself to step out of your comfort zone. Look for those opportunities to do that thing that you wouldn't normally do. Ideally, something that's gonna help someone else in a positive way. And if you do this enough, you'll actually learn that there's another zone that can bring even more comfort, but not just to you, to other people as well. I'm Michael Jr. I love you. It is funny how life works. Oh, we got another book review. Let's do it. Boom, bagging. Robin Flores. Boom, gagging. Boom, boom, boom. Robin boom, Flores. Boom, bagging. Mm-hmm. It almost sounds like robbing floors. <laughs> <laughs> I got a friend named Rob who used to live up to his name. <laughs> what? You, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna read it? Y'all were talking. Nobody talking. Read. No. Like, like you read. Wanna... <laughs> read. What a gift to enjoy reading some more funny and heartwarming stories from Michael Jr. I got this book for my 15-year-old son, who might be Michael Jr.'s biggest fan. He finished it in two days, and I had to read it quickly, or he would definitely have told me all of the punchlines before I had a chance to read it. Michael Jr. is an amazing role model and a truly funny guy who has a natural way of finding common ground with people. This book was a great read and so encouraging and full of life lessons and so much fun. Couldn't put it down. Wow, that was pretty cool. That is awesome. Thank you so much for leaving that review. And if you want to leave a review about this podcast, please do so. Yes. Please do leave a review. We might read it on the air. Get the book. Mm -hmm. Enjoy it a lot. And then um, we And don't forget about the free teaching. Free teaching. Oh, yeah. We're giving a free teaching away at uh, michaeljr.com slash opportunity. Opportunity. Boom, boom. Yep. That's what Nick has in his life. Lots of opportunities. Yes, actually. Quite a bit. I believe it. Yeah. I really do. Good times. Uh-oh. Be careful, ladies. Hold be on here. Be careful. I just want to say that. Hold up. Wait a minute. We're going to leave on that. 